0: Good morning. I pray that you are ready for Jesus to come. That's one thing we know as we go through these uncertain times that our King, Jesus Christ is coming again and we as a church need to be ready for him. So if you're listening at home or you're maybe on the radio or you're right here in this room, I want to challenge you to be ready because Jesus has made it clear he's coming. You might say, well, isn't that very strange that there has been for so many years predictions about his return? Absolutely. There's been prediction after prediction, after prediction, and I want you to know that's much different than prophecy. God's prophecy, according to his word, has always been fulfilled at the perfect time, but predictions, they come and go. Uh, Ever since Jesus died on the cross and came back to life and appeared to his disciples, and then he ascended into heaven, he says, I'm coming again. Uh, People have been predicting that he would come on this time or this year, and they've missed the mark but don't lose hope. He's coming. It could be tomorrow. It could be the beginning of next year. It could be years from now, but he is coming again. And while predictions have been wrong one after another, God's prophecy is being fulfilled. And we're living those times right now. I want to look at one of the last prophetic messages uh, spoken in Revelations chapter 22 right now. And this is actually the words of Jesus himself. It's prophecy. It's talking about the future. Here's what he says. Look. I'm coming soon. Those words of that song are from Jesus himself. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in the scroll. You could translate that today. Blessed are the ones who stay in step with the word of God. And then he says in in chapter 22, verse 12, behold, I'm coming soon. And then in chapter uh, 22, verse 20, yes, I am coming soon. Jesus is truly coming. And, And there are evidences all around us that his return could be at any moment so we need to live like he's coming today man you can do that wherever you're at you can follow jesus and be faithful to live like he's coming today we need to love like he's coming tomorrow and i believe we can still make plans like he would come after a lifetime of us serving him and while people continue to predict and disappoint god's god's prophecy is perfect So here's the tension. We're gonna look at some uh, prophecy today in God's word from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we cannot downplay prophecy. While people have missed the mark, his prophecy is perfect. In fact, we need to be very careful about those who predict things about the future. Here's what Jesus says about that in Matthew 24. But about the day or hour, no one knows. So be careful about those who predict. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, he's talking about himself, but only the father knows the exact time. So if someone is predicting the exact time or, or even day or, or even year, I would say, we need to run from those people making those predictions. People that make these type of predictions actually make a mockery of true prophecy. But don't give up. Jesus says that, that in his word that, that God uh, will send Jesus at the right time and it will happen. But predictions that were bogus during biblical times are much different than they are today. Uh, the, the, the Word of God made it clear that, uh, that it was permissible if someone was speaking on God's behalf and they were really lying, that they could be stoned. In fact, uh, it was totally different. If a prophet or a predictor uh, made a bogus claim, they were stoned. That's what people believed. That doesn't mean they were high on some drugs. Hear me out. They literally would take rocks and throw it to these people until they were stoned to death. If you would make a prediction about something uh, according to God it was wrong, there was no, not a second chance. Man, I don't know if that's a bad concept even for today. It would keep a lot of people from writing a few less books about prophecy. It, it would uphold a true prophecy from the Holy Spirit. But don't get me wrong, prophecy still holds its place. Even though people make these predictions and they're wrong one after another, we see prophets like Isaiah, their prophecies about the Messiah continually are fulfilled from God's word. Turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter nine. We're gonna look at this famous uh, prophetic text, the messianic prophecy here that, that spoke about the Messiah coming and, and, and gave uh, great value of who he would be and get great description The background for this text is it was a very dark time. If you look to uh, the beginning of chapter nine in verse two, it says the people walked in darkness. Guys, uh, we are in a very dark time as well, and and the prophecy uh, and the fulfillment of Scripture it it gives just as much hope now as it did uh, years, thousands of years ago. But Isaiah wrote this about seven hundred years before Jesus was even born, and he says the people of that time were in a very dark time. There was moral decay. There was uh, political unrest. There was financial uh, catastrophes happening around. Uh, the social climate was very uh, uh, stressed. There, the, they were, people were literally in spiritual darkness. The word of God says people were rejecting God's, God's ways and they were living as they pleased. The nation of God was literally falling apart because they had put their stock in, in human kings. And God says, hey, you don't need a human king, but they want it so God let them have it. And, and their nation was falling apart. The future was uncertain. Sound familiar? Dark times, uncertain future, anxiety from the world, uh, alarms going off, uh, uh, (laughs) continuing messages, you know? Praise God, there there are things to alert us to danger, but during this time, there seemed to be no hope. And Isaiah says, hey, there's hope coming. It's only 700 years away. I don't know how long we're away from the second coming, but the hope of Christ still changes everything, amen? There is hope in Christmas. Now, I'm not talking about the holiday. I love Christmas trees. Didn't uh, uh, the, the decorating crew do a great job again this year? Let's praise God for that. I pray that that gives you some joy, but hope comes from Jesus. And there's, there's hope in Christmas, The holidays will come and go, but the true meaning of Christmas is that God sent his son to die for you so that you could be saved. You may be hearing this for the first time online today or on the radio. Jesus Christ died so that your sins could not only be like rolled over, but they're gone. He died so that you could have hope and life with him. Jesus came to be light in this dark world. Isaiah put it this way in 9, chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born... To us, the Son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You've heard that before. We're going to dive into those four uh, titles or characteristics of Christ this season. Here's the cool part. Isaiah proclaimed not only that Christ would come, but he shared with us the qualities that he would contain. Wonderful, He would be a Wonderful Counselor, a Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Today, we're going to focus on this idea that he's a wonderful counselor. And we need a counselor now more than ever, especially during the holidays in 2020. Many of us be like, I need to spend some time with a counselor, and that's okay. Literally, it is a good idea to seek counsel from a wise follower of Christ. Now, I would caution you to speak, uh, to seek counsel from just a person of this world. They will lead you astray in a moment. But someone who has wisdom, someone who's been trained to offer godly Christian counsel, it is good. We're going to see that in today's today's scriptures. But have you noticed the holidays increase the pressure and maybe the concern for counseling as much as any time? The holidays just really bring about a, a sense of uncertainty, a sense of unrealistic and unmet expectations. We, all, we want every holiday to be perfect. Think about it. We want the perfect food. Man, I, heard, I just heard of families. I walked in here today. They had like four just choice meats, man. It sounded like a, we want everything, all that to be perfect. The decorations, we want them to be perfect. I mean, they worked hard to create a new atmosphere, to point us to Christ. We want all that to be perfect. We want the gifts we give to be perfect and the gifts we receive to be perfect. We want everyone to get along and for no one to get sick. Has that ever happened, all those things that to any of you, let alone in 2020? It's not going to happen this year. I almost guarantee it. There's going to be some gift that doesn't fit. Tiffany and I bought some gifts just this weekend. I'm like, Tiffany, we're going to take half these back. I know it, you know. The boys are growing too fast to even keep up with what they need. I wonder when the last time you had an expectation for things to be perfect and you were let down. What does that do to your mind when you are going through a season and you think, oh, uh, so-and-so is going to be there and they, they can't end up coming or, or the gift that you want, you couldn't be secured or the food that you had uh, planned so uh, much to provide flopped for some way. And, and we're left hurting. We're left mentally challenged and probably needing a counselor. A recent survey conducted by the National Alliance for Mental Health this is pre-COVID though. This is the most recent thing I could find relating to the holidays. Said that 63% of people felt more pressure during the holidays. Most of us would agree with that. That's because most of us feel the same way. There's just more pressure. 66% felt more alone than normal. And that's pre-COVID. What, what do you think that feeling is gonna be this year? It's probably gonna 70, 80% people feel, I just feel a little bit more lonely this, this holiday season. Sixty-eight percent felt a financial stress. As I wrote this down, I, re, I admit I had just talked to Tiffany about uh, uh, something we were doing with our finances to, to, make, to pave away for the holidays, and there was a little bit of a tense moment. None of you ever go through that, do you? Seventy-five percent of people reported a dissatisfaction with the holidays. They were disappointed. Uh, So we come to the holidays in 2020 and I believe we need a counselor now more than ever and his name is Jesus Christ. Now, one thing that adds stress to the holiday season that wasn't on this survey of the um, uh, Alliance of Mental Health was this, what do you buy for your spouse? I'd love for that to have been on the, uh, the survey. Doesn't that for some of, at least guys admit this, be brave, it creates some stress to know what to buy your wife for the holidays, right? For Christmas, anybody with me on that? You're like, no, you got to figure, uh, boy, thank you for stepping up the plate. But here's what happens to me. If, you, if you're a new husband, here's the way to go. You're not quite sure what to buy. And so you ask her a few things. And at some point uh, in the conversation between now and Christmas, she'll probably say this. Be very careful about this statement. Well, you don't really have to get me anything anyways. You, re, you really don't need to get me anything. You know what that's really code for? You should know what I want. <laughs> that's what that's translated. You should know what I want. And stress is increased, right? Stress builds. And I want you to know, we're going to see in God's word, it is okay to seek counsel, especially uh, from Jesus. But there, there's, we can seek counsel from other Christians, especially people that have been trained in this. It is good to, uh, to find help. In fact, Solomon puts it this way in the book of, uh, in the book of Solomon. Uh, the, the wisest man to ever live other than Jesus says this about seeking counsel. Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counsels, there is safety. If you're lost in something, ask for help, especially from another brother or sister in Christ. Proverbs 15 says this, without counsel, plans go awry. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Plans become established and work as we seek counsel. Chapter 19 says this, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise the rest of your life. Proverbs 24 says this, for by wise guidance, you can wage your war. You you, can put up a fight, you got a chance. And in the abundance of counsel, there's victory. Guys, I want you to have a chance. I want you to know if you're struggling, if you're hurting, if you're stressed, talk to someone, but do not even do that before you've went to Christ, the wonderful counselor. It's biblical to, to pursue advice. Some of you are struggling and hurting, and you need counsel now, uh, and it's good to seek that in someone you trust. Maybe it's from D or an elder or, or a good friend that you've known and has your best interest in mind and is following Christ. One of the best things a couple can do before they get married it married is to invest in Christian premarital counseling. If you know a young couple thinking about getting married, make sure that they spend some time in Christian uh, premarital counseling. If you're married, and it's many of you, one of the greatest things you can do for your marriage uh, sometime in the next year is to spend some time getting counsel. Maybe from um, uh, an older couple, maybe it's from D or a Christian counselor, but it is excellent to invest in your marriage to spend time in counsel. You, you'll have, you have a chance. But also seek Christ. If you're a young person or if you're uh, seeking a change in life, seek the counsel of someone wise that has experience in the field you're going in. Uh, Seeking counsel is good. I asked many of you on social media this week and you're gonna see that that may have not been a good thing to do a little bit later in the service, but I just put on social media, hey, what comes to your mind when you hear the word counselor? And here's some of the responses and they're right on the money. Someone who listens. You're not going to counselor if all, They, if all they do when you're together is is they talk. Someone who speaks wisdom and truth. Someone who learns everything about you, but doesn't hold it against you. Someone who doesn't judge you after you've shared with them. As we seek someone who offers counsel, make sure they're following Christ, but make sure they're also wise, they're caring. They're truthful. They're not willing, not afraid to share the truth and love, but they're also confidential. You can trust them. Most of all, though, know that you can trust Jesus. Try to imagine right now the ability to go just be counseled by Jesus. He offers that. He offers an ability to listen, ability to offer advice, and we're going to see how he does that today but I tried to get an image of what it would be like to be counseled by Jesus. And, and right as I was kind of picking my brain about that, just daydreaming about that, I went into Dee's office and straight across from you, uh, me, when you enter into Dee's office, on the wall is this picture. It's a piece of art. It's called the divine counselor. Man, that's, it's, a, it's a beautiful image of, of Jesus guiding a, a follower of Christ during a difficult time. I don't know if it's a, an attorney, a pastor, a principal, uh, uh, some type of businessman. But, but I want you to know Jesus offers counsel to all. But as much as we can imagine, based on this picture, what Jesus can do, uh, listen and share, he is greater than anything we can bring to our own minds, even through this image. I love this piece of art. But Jesus is greater than anything we can imagine. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the divine counselor. He who, who listens patiently and who gives advice. But here's the thing. It goes beyond that, the biblical meaning of counseling, because Jesus doesn't just give his opinion. He gives the truth. He has the answers. The true biblical meaning of wonderful counselor goes beyond what you and I first think of, beyond what anybody put on social media. Because in, in the Old Testament, when Isaiah is writing this, a wonderful counselor, a counselor at the core would have been someone who has the plans. We think of a counselor as someone who listens and then gives us an opinion. No, a true counselor would have some insight into the future and then is able to guide you. That's what a counselor is. Not someone who makes you feel better, but someone who gives you the facts about the future. Jesus Christ is the counselor is the one who really has the plans. Not opinions, but truth. In those days, a counselor was often a, a government leader. And they would have insight of what's happening in that area in the future. They would have insight to where the roads were going to be made, where the next building was going to be developed. They would have insight in potentially uh, the the battle plans. Here's the cool part. Wrap your brain around this. The counselor in the government would often know of the king's declaration before it was ever announced. The counselor would have insight to what the king was going to do. Because he was advising the king. He was in the king's inner inner circle. Here's the cool part. Who is our king? Jesus, the wonderful counselor. He knows, even before it's announced. A good counselor is not guessing. They're listening and they know the future. Here's the cool part. Our advisor, Jesus Christ, has the future in his hands. So we need to listen to him. As good as the world's counselors can be sometimes, they are greatly handicapped beyond what Jesus is because they don't really know the future. In fact, they're handicapped by you telling them even what's going on in your present life. You'd be surprised how many times people will hold back the truth of what's going on in their life. And how can a counselor ever prepare to do about the future if we're not honest with the truth now? Now, I am not a licensed counselor, Most pastors are not licensed. D is not a licensed counselor, but he has been trained much more than I am. Uh, We we believe we're more biblical advisors, but we often offer biblical counsel. We, We give advice based on that, but we're not licensed in that way. But D and I were talking this week, and one of the things that we're really surprised at, when people come to us for pastoral care or advice or counsel, oftentimes they don't share the truth And we are limited on what we can advise if we don't know the truth. So I would suggest to you uh, to be honest with those you're receiving counsel from. And and here's the good news: Jesus already knows. So I started making a plan even this week. Probably happens the most when married couples come in for counsel. Probably nine times out of ten, you can almost guarantee they've before they've come in to talk to you, whether it's in the office or at a restaurant at their home, they will have agreed on what not to bring up. They, they will have talks, say, okay, we're not gonna bring this up. So what I'm gonna do in the future, so if you come in, be ready for this, I'm gonna say, hey, what have you guys agreed not to talk about? Because that's where we're gonna start. Because that's at the heart of the matter. How, how can we give counsel if we don't really know the rub, if we don't know the issue? But here's the cool part, Jesus already knows. And you don't have to be afraid to deal with, it, with them. Here's the truth you can put in your heart. Jesus, the wonderful counselor, knows your past, and has a plan for your future. He knows it and he's not afraid of it and he's got a plan to make your future blessed and bright. Jesus doesn't have an opinion. He's got the answers. He knows exactly what your future because he created you. Here's one of the things that a mentor of mine shared with me a few years back. He was a friend and counselor and advisor. I still talk to him probably monthly. Remember Luke Holt? Pretty good guy, right? He told me this. In Jesus, you're fully known and fully loved. Jesus knows everything about you. He knows your your worst moments. He knows your greatest moments. You can't make him love you more, and you can't make him love you any less. He knows everything about you, and he loves you still, fully. Fully. He loves you through your mistakes, through your sins, through your hurts, through your hangups. And he wants to walk you uh, to have a greater life in the future. Do you know why he knows all that? Because he made you. David put it this way in the Psalms, in Psalms 139. If you've never heard this passage before, it's right in the middle of the Bible. Uh, David is speaking about uh, how much he can trust God because God made him. It, this is also a passage that really uh, gets me passionate to protect the innocent, the unborn child. This is, this is a passage that really elevates the, the reality that a, a, a child has value at the moment they're conceived and God has a plan for us from the beginning. Look what this, look what this passage says. David says, for you created How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. That last portion really highlights the fact that even when we're asleep, even when we're unaware, God has a mind of us. He thinks about us more than the the, the grains of sand around the whole world. That is how much you're on God's mind. That's how much he knows about you. And we can trust him because he made you. He, He wove you together before you even thought of. What an amazing testimony of God's desire to fully know you. When we're not even aware of him, he's thinking of you. He loves you. Even with your past, even with the unknowns of your future, you are fully loved and fully known. You're like, well, that's, that's a nice thought, but, but what does it do for me practically? When you trust that's who God is, we're gonna go to him First. What does that really look like? What can I practically do then because of this truth that Christ is a wonderful counselor? Well, here's the cool part. If you didn't know this, the Bible says in John, the word became flesh. God's word became flesh. God sent his son in the form of a human out of the word, out of truth, out of desire to be with us, to know us. And that'll blow your mind that this word became Jesus. So how do we pursue Jesus? How do we pursue him, this divine counselor? Well, through his word. And how do you know Jesus? Through the Word, and you know the Word through Jesus. So it's amazing. So we need to seek His Word, the Bible. The Bible is the greatest source to consult in your life. It has greater wisdom than any, any human mind or thought. It has greater inspiration than any, any human uh, uh, concept. And its path will create a blessing if you follow it, period. Period. If you follow a fool, there will be hard times. But if you follow God's word, there will be a holy living. It doesn't mean you'll be perfect, but you'll be blessed by it. We value biblical truth. I don't know if you've heard that before, but I pray that you put that in your heart as well. The elders, the deacons, and the staff made this biblical truth, or uh, we value biblical truth, our first uh, value statement of our church family. We did that a little less than a year ago as we had our, our vision, mission, and values a weekend where we established a, a path consistent with God's word that, that was based on our past, but also had a bright future, that hope changed everything. The first value that we said we're leaning on is biblical truth. I kind of joked about this the last three weeks. It's, it's here again today. It's been six weeks in a row where I've had a moment and a message that naturally comes that says, when our feelings come in conflict with God's word, God's word wins. Because we value the truth of it. It's like the laws that come down. If they're not under God's law, it's not a good law. If a feeling we have doesn't align with God's truth, it's a feeling that could lead us astray. So we must commit to valuing biblical truth. In God's word, man, you can find a plan for your life, for your finances. You can. You can find a plan for your relationships, the good ones and the bad ones, the ones stressed and the ones that are blessed. You can find uh, guidance for your marriage. You can find instructions of how your attitude should be, uh, the words that you should say, uh, how to handle conflict. Uh, God's word gives guidance for our sex lives, for parenting, for being a grandparent, for being a brother or sister. God's word gives us so much guidance. But are you looking to it? Well, how do you know what to do? Let me give you a, a groundbreaking piece of advice. Read it. Don't just come and think that that we're going to cover it all on Sunday morning. We don't have time. I'm so glad we went to Numbers chapter 9, but we we won't get to Numbers chapter 10 probably for a long time. Uh, Spend time in God's Word. Read it. Well, what version should I study? Tyson, I don't have even a Bible that makes sense to me. Well, you need to read the King James Version, right? That's what people have told you forever because that's the Bible that Jesus read. Really? Really? That's the one that Jesus read, the King James Version? I don't think so. Now, here's the, here's the thing. The King James Version is amazing. It, it's, it, it's able to provide salvation, but no greater or no less than other versions. I grew up memorizing the King James Version probably to uh, probably first or second grade, and then our church committed completely as a church family to study primarily the new international version, the NIV. Great translation. A tidbit, though, they changed that a couple years ago, and it became, instead of a better translation, much weaker so early on in my ministry here, we committed to having the ESV, the English Standard Version. It's a great version. So the NIV is still strong, but it has, it has went away a little bit in its uh, commitment to biblical translation. But then after D came, my mind was blown. And, and my favorite current translation at this time in my life is the one that D introduced me to. It's the New Living Translation. And it combines a great commitment to biblical translation from Greek and Hebrew to English, but also in a, in a way that we speak in today's language. It just makes sense it flows. So if you're looking for a Christmas present for someone, pick out one of these translations and be very careful that you're actually reading a translation because some versions of the Bible are paraphrased from one man or woman. And this is just what they think it says. That's very dangerous. It could be helpful for maybe devotion, but we need to make sure we're reading God's word as he said it as much as we can. And it can change your life. It changed mine in junior high. I was memorizing the King James portions of the Bible early on in life and I believed it, I knew them, but it wasn't until junior high where I sat alone for the first time on my own and began to read the book of James. And it dawned on me that God was speaking to me through the Bible, to me, Tyson Graber at age 12. You're like, well, you're a pastor. Of course he speaks speaks to each of you. But what you've got to do at some point in your life is say, I want to read this and hear from God and have your heart open to him. And he will speak directly to you. If you've never done that, give it a try. You'll be blessed beyond what you can imagine. You might say, well, I'd like to have the counsel. I'd like some advice. You've got all the advice you need and more in his word, but are we looking at it? We have to value biblical truth and let the truth win. We also need to spend time not only reading the word, but just talking to Jesus, that wonderful counselor, that divine counselor. Spend time talking to Jesus, and we do that through prayer. When you don't know what to do, just admit it. Say, Jesus, I need your help. You don't have to use some uh, fancy, flowery words. Some of the best prayers I've ever had in my life have been, Jesus, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, I need you. We're going to sing that song in just a little bit. There comes a point in our lives where we have to to, to be willing to say, I can't do this on my own. I don't know. I need your help. And he is there to listen in a moment's notice. Spend time every day talking to the counselor. Here's the cool part. He's available 24-7. And he takes your insurance. There's not a copay. He is available any any moment. There's no real wrong way or right way. As long as you come to him humbly and you say, you understand that through what he's done for you on the cross, you can speak to the Father directly through Jesus, guided by the Holy Spirit. The the word of God tells us God's will for us in in communication. He says, uh, when, when you're thinking about these spiritual matters, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Some versions say, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. If you want to know what God's will is for you, if you're like, man, uncertain times, I don't know what I should really be doing, do this. Uh, Be a person that rejoices. Be a person that prays continually. Be a person that gives thanks. Be a person that says, "I I need your help. That's God's will. What's interesting, it happened first service, really strong. As I was preaching last minute, I was praying for people in the room. You you can continually be praying while you're at work, while you're driving your car, while you're uh, in athletics, uh, while you're talking to your spouse. Sometimes that's when you need the most help. You can be praying and say, Lord, give me the wisdom to be able to speak to this person and convey that I love them, that I'm here for them. Pray continually. That's God's will. And finally, there's one other thing you can receive advice from your counsel is I think through God's people. That's the the third and strong. So, So we get it in his word. We get it through spending time speaking to God and listening, but also talking to other godly people and listening to them, other Christians. The world would have you believe that you can have advice that will lead you well in a bunch of different ways. I wanna warn you today as your pastor, here's the challenge. Most of the world's advice will lead you to harm. It will. It it may provide a little bit of hope for the beginning. It may uh, get you through a moment, but there will be a day where it leaves you bankrupt. Here's some ways that people seek advice from the world. Uh, Silliest things is fortune cookies, you know? I've seen people make adjustments in their day because of a fortune cookie. Or the magic eight ball in the top right corner. Should I go to church today? You shake it up, maybe. You know what you do that day? You stay home. Or how about this, horoscopes and uh, signs of the Zodiac. Man, that's a growing trend that we're seeking advice from horoscope and from astrology and signs. You know, what are you? What does this tell you about yourself? Uh, Taylor Swift, man, I've, I've appreciated Taylor Swift since uh, her very first song came out. I was like, man, this girl's got talent. She's a likable person. Do you know she accepted the Entertainer of the Year at the American Music Awards this past week? She did her interview in, fr- in front of this Zodiac sign map based on astrology and a lot of different things. And she gave a message of the mysterious life that we can all live together. And very many young people and old people like myself are attracted to wonder what she has gained from this that I don't know. It's very dangerous to go down the road that she's in and pursuing this mysterious life that could be answered by the stars. Play on words there by a star in Hollywood or a star up in the sky. People go to things like uh, fortune tellers, psychics. Another step to the evil in the dark is being given answers by Ouija boards and things of, of seances and things. Uh, and, and we are willing to go to all the places. But maybe the most dangerous for a culture today that seems benign to many of you is on the bottom right-hand side. We ask, well, what would our friends on social media say? Well, let me post it on Facebook and see what they think. I did that this week. I said, hey, what do you think about uh, uh, when you hear the word counselor? And a lot of feedback came in. And most of it was good, but some of it was off. But it, 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 it still has a play on my mind. Be very careful what you're willing to ask the world on social media because you can be led astray. But yet we do it often. We'll say, well, I'll just put this out there and see what people think. Hey, why do you really care what the people you haven't seen since high school think anyways? Why do you care about what somebody you hardly know uh, would say about your future? So why do we ask? I mean, have you looked at their last 10 Facebook posts? They're about their pets and how to cook perfectly, uh, make pasta, you know? I mean, and yet we're asking about the future of our life. While I love pets and I love pasta, we need to be careful who we're seeking counsel from. Every year I share with people coming to the office or maybe I go to their home and they want to know advice. They want advice on this or that. But by the time I get in the conversation, it's pretty clear. They've already made up their mind. They just want my affirmation to do what they want to do anyways and let the uh, pastor kind of confirm what they're feeling. Man, it's a dangerous place to go. They haven't prayed about it. They haven't looked at God's Word. They haven't asked anybody else. But they know what they want to do, so they're wanting my affirmation so we can all feel good about this together. I wonder if that's ever been you. I know it's been me looking for people just to confirm what I want to do, even though it goes against God's word. Remember, God's word wins, but we want to ignore it at times. Specifically, how this sometimes play out, probably at least once a year, a man or woman will come into my office and say, Tyson, I think it's time to get a divorce. Oh, really? Have you prayed about it? I've thought about it. What do you think God's word would say? Uh, Or or have you talked to a Christian friend? No, I've been talking to some people. Nine times out of 10, you know who they've been talking to who? Four or five other people that have already got a divorce. And that allows them to give them affirmation. Well, they've done it. Maybe they'll give me an encouragement to do that. We need to be very careful who we're asking for uh, affirmation from. Often we seek the perspective and support from people who we already believe will affirm what we want to do, what we feel. I wanna give you this tidbit. There can be great Christian people that, uh, that have went through divorce and would affirm you need one as well because God's word allows for it. But be careful who you're asking. We need to be asking Christians who, who treasure God's word, who are in prayer and be very careful to take a step before you just affirm what you believe is right. We need to be very careful that we're asking Christians for help instead of just the world. A Christian seeking advice from a non-Christian person is like a person with hair asking D how much shampoo to use. It just doesn't make sense. Sorry, D. But guys, we do crazy things to affirm how we feel. Man, I love what Moses did last week. Remember in Numbers 9, those guys had touched the dead body and... And they were like, ah, I don't think we can go to this party, you know, the holiday celebration for the Passover. But they wanted to go and, and they come to Moses and say, Moses, can't we still do this? And Moses says, don't do anything. Wait, I don't know what to do. So what did Moses do? I've got to ask God. You want to go seek counsel for somebody, even if they are the wisest person you know, that will slow down and say, wait, we're going to ask God together. Amen. I want you to be that type of person that when you're asked about uh, uh, should I uh, go to college for this or should I sell my house or should I uh, move in a job or, or should I uh, seek this marriage or should I end this marriage, should I adopt or should I do whatever it is, we should slow down and say, what is God leading us to do? And be patient. Proverbs thirteen twenty says this, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm if we're just trying to fulfill what we know is what we think and believe is right already, there will be harm in that. But here's the cool part. You can be this to others and we can be this to each other. Godly men and women point others to the wonderful counselor. That's what we do. We'll point people to Jesus. We'll point people to his word. We'll point people to spending time with him and we'll point people to one another as we grow from one another. You can do that this Christmas, man. We get a chance to do that every Christmas. I think Christmas 2020 has a greater opportunity to point people to Jesus than any Christmas before. In my entire life, there's been no Christmas that people are hungry for the counselor as right now. You may not see it with attendance, but I know people are watching online and on the radio. And guys, there's room, especially at 8 o'clock and 11 on Wednesday night, there's room to invite people to meet Jesus right here. You, you can talk to them on the phone. You can go visit them on their front porch. Uh, right now is a time where people are hungry for Jesus. So we want to put something in your hands that'll point them to Jesus. So here's a little Christmas card. At the front, it says, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. We believe that hope changes everything and we want to put in your hands a way to uh, share hope with others. So this is a Christmas card that you'll pick up. You can see they're going to be laid out here in the foyers. Uh, grab one or two of those. If you know exactly who to send to, take two but we would like you to put a personal note in here and do three things that we've studied today. First, point them to the word. And there is a passage in here from Romans 15. It says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're pointing them to the word that they can have hope through God, through Jesus Christ. And then I want you to put a note in here saying that you're praying for them. We said the next thing we're going to do is pray. They may may not be ready to pray, but they can be certain that you're praying for them and pray for them even before you send it. And then thirdly, let there be, after you said you're praying for them, let them be certain that they can call you. They can come over and see you. They can uh, socially or physically distance and still have a conversation that you can share, that you'd be willing to be a person that listens and gives advice through Christ. Take one of these cards and pray for them. And on the back, it invites them to join us. Guys, this card could be the door that opens for hope for someone this season. They're ready for it. Who's on your mind and your heart to share that with? The card invites them to the wonderful counselor who we can trust in. Do you? Maybe you're watching, maybe you're listening. You're like, I've never trusted him. I've never realized that he speaks to me. I've never known that he died so I could live. Here's what Jesus said in a counseling session with his disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, I will come. That's the way we started this message, the way we're ending it. Jesus is coming. I don't want to, but when everything's ready, he's going to come and get you so that you may always be with me where I am. That's what Jesus wants. That's the heart of God, is for us to be with him. One of the hardest things about this season is we can't always be with one another. That's why it's so good to be here today. But God has created a time where we can be with each other forever, but it's only through Jesus, the wonderful counselor. Today, would you stand with me? We're gonna sing a a song of decision and it's gonna declare, Lord, I need you. If you've never declared that, do that today. Fall in the footsteps of these young girls that were baptized this last week and say, I'm trusting in you and sal- for my salvation. I'm ready to be with you forever because he could come today. Father in heaven, we thank you for Jesus, the wonderful counselor that he is. Lord, we need you. I need you. No one is able to do this on their own. Lord, if someone's here today is ready to admit that for the first time, I pray they would move and begin to have this conversation with D or I or a friend. And dive into your word and speak to you that they need you. And let their future be bright. Let them come out of darkness into your light. In Jesus' name, amen.